Instead of a stake through the heart, Dracula's castle is now where Romanians could go and get a poke in the arm. Yes, the famed castle in Transylvania has become a creative lure for its residents. Free tours with every vaccination. The famous castle, which was the inspiration for Bram Stoker's novel Dracula, is now a COVID-19 vaccination center. In America, New Jersey clinics are offering free beer for vaccinations. In Romania, free tours of one of the world's most famous castles. Not just for vampires, the castle has over 52 medieval torture instruments on display. Neighboring citizens are calling to request access to the perks of this spooky vaccine, but it's only available to Romanians. Rest assured, no one has reported a thirst for blood or developed fangs yet. My mind goes to another spooky place, Golgotha. Not a castle marked by fictional blood draining, but a hill marked with Christ's blood spilling. His death, our life, all good news. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is Friday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're finishing up a series today called Worshiping with the Early Church. In the next few minutes, we're going to hear more of the ancient hymns called the Odes. And we're also going to look at what the early church looked like, both in building as well as with people. And then after the program, I'd like to send you a copy of the Odes album. These songs transcend the generations of Christianity and reach down into the very roots of our faith. The music will touch your heart in a special way. Why don't you call us after the program at 800-654-2836. That's 800-654-2836. Or better yet, visit our website, and there you can listen to samples of all the odes on this special CD. And you can watch the video we posted and read more about how these first century hymns were discovered. Our web address is haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now let's open our program today with ode number seven, My Joy is the Lord.
We're singing along with the early church here on Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris, and that was My Joy is the Lord, Ode 7, from the Odes album that we have for you when you contact us after this program. Now, let's use our imaginations. Let's travel back to the first century. It's early on a Sunday morning in Dura Europus, a family leaves their home to walk a short distance in a village to a larger home, a typical Roman upper-class villa centered around a columned courtyard with an open roof or atrium. In the center of the courtyard, a pool. At the doorway to the house, slaves and non-slaves are greeted by a smiling face. Each person entering bows, and a garland is carefully placed on every head before walking through the courtyard to where friends are beginning to gather. First-timers are welcomed. Jews and Gentiles have gathered. Not all Jews had gone the day before to the synagogue just down the street in another large Roman villa. Single slaves have gathered. Single mothers have arrived with children in tow. Families with both parents arrive. Prayers were prayed together. Long portions of scriptures were read from the Hebrew Bible, followed by portions of letters from all over, and words from what we now know as the New Testament Gospels, the words of Jesus. A leader or elder would stand and explain the meaning of what was read. We call it preaching. More prayers, more singing. Maybe this Sunday these friends would move to another part of the house, containing a large pool of water. A new friend was baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then came the meal. A leader would break bread and pass the cup, reminding those gathered of another meal not too many years before in Jerusalem. There was a reminder that the person who first held this meal said to keep repeating it until he came again. Eat and drink in remembrance of me, he had said. Remember the cross. Remember the blood, my blood, spilt as the ultimate sacrifice. Then the special weekly meal was followed by a more general meal with food that all who could would bring. One friend served another. Hospitality was abundant. Friends were happy together. These were followers of Jesus of Nazareth. And the setting I'm describing is in the remains of a city now in modern Syria. Jura Europus was at the intersection of an east-west trade route and a north-south trade route along the Euphrates River. It is the only house church we've ever found, near a Jewish synagogue also excavated in modern times. At the time I've described, there was a temple to Mithlas frequented by Roman soldiers stationed at the Roman garrison. The city also contained a temple to Bel and another to Adonis. 200-plus years before the first church building was ever built, before Byzantine choirs were chanting, and more than a thousand years before an organ was ever played for worship. This was church on a Sunday morning. Wouldn't you like to have been there? Much prayer, much singing. His word came to me with his answer With his answer his word came to me He gave rest For the weary By the grace Of the Lord He gave rest grace 
Haven today, and that was Fernando Ortega singing Ode 37. I stretched out my hands from the special CD we're offering this week called The Odes Project. A little more background on Urid Europus. British soldiers first found the town in modern-day Syria after World War I. It would have originally existed just beyond the Galilee region of modern-day Israel. Excavations began in the 1920s off and on. In 1933, an important fragmentary text was unearthed at the church that contained a previously unknown Greek harmony of the Gospels, dated to the late 2nd century, a very important work for biblical studies. Only the foundations remain. But what remained above ground at the first house church found was dismantled and is now on display at the Yale University Museum in New Haven. In that house church... I've mentioned in Jura Europus, there were second and third generation witnesses of what had been promised coming to pass. The Messiah had come to save the world. Over 1900 years ago and now, his friends then and friends like us are clothed with power from on high. You and I can recite like those early Christians and sing, the Lord is my hope, I shall not be confused. For according to his praise, he made me And according to his grace, he gave to me. And according to his mercies, he raised me up. And according to his great honor, he lifted me up. And he caused me to ascend from the depths of Sheol. And from the mouth of death, he drew me. And I humbled my enemies. And he justified me by his grace. For I believe in the Lord's Messiah. And I considered that he is the Lord. Hallelujah. Those are some of the lines from the ancient odes, the early hymns of the Christian church. Dr. Lee MacDonald is both a New Testament and canonical scholar who has studied and written on the Odes of Solomon. Lee, can we know for sure that the Odes were sung by the early church? Oh, yes. Uh, and I wouldn't say all churches, but some churches we know for sure did. And as far away from uh, Egypt to uh, uh, Syria to uh, Greece and uh, even up into Constantinople, we know that some of them were sung in those places and probably even more that we don't know about now. Dr. McDonald, can a Christian today benefit from these odes or hymns that were sung so long ago? I think it's useful for Christians today to know that there were believers in the early first century as well as the second century. Sometimes we will acknowledge that the first century when the New Testament was largely written, uh, that uh, that was fine. But after the first century, not much happened until uh, maybe the Reformation period of time. But I think we can find great value in knowing that the church has had heroes of the faith, wonderful people uh, who served the Lord faithfully and used the gifts that God had given to them throughout church history. And when we look at uh, uh, material like the Odes of Solomon, uh, we find some wonderful, wonderful psalms and uh, hymns. That's what they are, a collection of hymns that uh, blessed uh, Christians back then, and they bless Christians today. Lee, let's talk about house churches. I've been mentioning the first house church excavated in Europus. Talk to us about these first churches, these house churches. In the house churches, which uh, it was quite often the person who was the wealthiest person among them had the biggest, had, house. Had the biggest house, and so they'd meet at that person's home. And uh, church uh, buildings were not really in style much before the end of the second century. They were beginning to emerge, but they were still meeting largely in homes at that time. By the fourth century, there are a lot of uh, church buildings and facilities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In terms of uh, the early church worship uh, services, uh, uh, the buildings start coming in more toward the fourth century, 
and very few churches uh, were like the large cathedral uh, structures. Only when Constantine started trying to make things even and balance things out, justly after the Christians had their property stolen and their buildings burned and so on, he gave them uh, major uh, buildings, uh, and the Christians used those, and uh, the term basilica was actually uh, an entranceway into a city in a major meeting hall, and, and Constantine was giving those to the churches, and so they called it a basilica. I passed before the Lord Most High I served before him in the light And healing went before him And we fellowshiped in purity And I was near him and lost myself lifted up into the light. The Odes of Solomon are hymns of praise and devotion that we inherit from an early poet. Professor James Charlesworth, translator of the Odes into English and head of the Dead Sea Scrolls Project at Princeton, says the author, or the Odist, was a Jew, conceivably an Essene Jew, because he intermittently evidences that he knew the Thanksgiving hymns, the so-called hymn book of the Qumran community. That's where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. The Otist eventually believed that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah and imagined, as he wrote in Ode 24, the dove fluttered over the head of our Lord Messiah because he was her head. The collection is identified as the Odes of Solomon, not because they were written by King Solomon in the 10th century BC, but because they were rightly considered to be in the tradition of Solomon, who was known in the Bible as the Beloved. The Otist uses this term for himself and all like him, it's a concept that helps define the Odes. While Solomon lived in the 10th century BC, the Otis lived sometime near 100 AD. The Otis may have lived in Syria and perhaps in the region of Antioch. As is well known, the believers in Jesus as the Christ were first called Christians in Antioch. Since 1909, when the Odes were found in a Syriac manuscript, scholars have edited the Greek, Coptic, Latin, and Syriac texts and translated them into many modern languages, including English today. While the Odes are well known to historians and scholars, they're virtually unknown to theologians, church leaders, and lay people. The purpose of the Odes project that we've been engaged in this week at Haven Today is to give voice to the Odists' creations and to make the Odes familiar to all of us. 
Our prayer is that the odes will invigorate worship and supply all Christians with a joy and happiness. Many Christians are rightly moved by the vision in Ode 13, Behold, the Lord is our mirror. Open your eyes and see them in him, and learn the manner of your face, and so declare praise to his spirit. Then wipe the paint from your face, and love his holiness, and put it on. Then you will be unblemished at all times with him. Hallelujah. This hymn, as all the odes, was probably chanted in Christian services. The verbs are plural, imperatives. That is, the Otis means all of you open your eyes and see them in him. Moreover, that ode ends in a collective hallelujah. That insight also allows that some Christians also use the odes in private devotions. The early Jews and Gentiles who believed in Jesus immediately composed new hymns to praise God. Some of these are preserved in the pre-Pauline hymns preserved in Philippians 2 and Colossians 1. The odes are also similar to the joy found in Luke's infancy gospel, Luke 1 and 2. These early believers in Jesus were joyous. They knew that God proved to be faithful and that his promises were being realized. About the time of the Otis, we have evidence that Christians would gather before dawn and they would sing praises to Christ. In fact, this information is found in a letter sent by a Roman governor to the Emperor Trajan. The Odes of Solomon is the only collection of Christian hymns that has come down to us from the earliest centuries of the church. They are not praises to the Western church. The Odes are in many ways like the Psalms. The spirit of New Testament worship permeates these hymns with an amazing freshness and vitality. The Odes are as eloquent about Christian love as Franciscan writings, as evocative about grace as Calvin's Institutes, as profoundly indicative of holiness as the works of John and Charles Wesley. Indeed, most Christians today sense the presence of the Holy Spirit when they hear the singing of the Odes. I rested on the Spirit of the Lord and was lifted up to heaven and was caused to stand on my feet in the high place of his kingdom according to his goodness he forgave Anointed me with perfection As one of those near to him Son of man Son of God He was named Named the light
Ode number 36, I Rested on the Spirit of the Lord. From the Odes Project CD, this is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. I want to thank you for traveling back in time with me and and hearing how the first Christians would have met together and worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is that you can sing some of the songs that early Christian brothers and sisters sang by getting a copy of The Odes Project. It's music that transcends the generations of Christianity. It reaches down to the very roots of our faith. And as you can tell, it's music that's unique and touches the heart in a special way. I want to send you a copy of The Odes Project as our way of saying thank you for your gift to this listener-supported ministry. The number you can call right now is 800 654 2836. 800-654-2836. Or if you have an extra minute or two, let me share our web address with you. Haventoday.org. Just head over to haventoday.org. And along with making your gift and getting your own copy of this special CD of the Odes Project, you can also read a very insightful article that we put up on our blog that features a video, audio clips, and an in-depth scholarly paper about the history of the Oats. I think you'll find it insightful. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again next time, when again we'll be sharing together the great story, the story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. English theologian John Owen said, Be killing your sin, or sin will be killing you. We may not like the process, but we are called to put our sin to death. Ecclesiastes 3.3 says there is a time to kill and a time to heal. What a picture that provides for our spiritual lives. There is an appropriate time to kill, and that time is now. Kill your sin now, so that in the world to come, the full healing of God will finally come. We only have this hope because of Jesus. He died so that we would have the power to kill our sin. By his wounds, we are healed. A taste of healing today. Full healing when he returns. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.